This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong with the pleasure of, as always, of being here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, what's going on? I'm heading on vacation. (laughs) I I know. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Glad you get some time away. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited to get out of the office for a few days, enjoy the sun. Feels like spring outside. I'm, I'm just excited to escape for a few. Well, before you get to enjoy your vacation, we're going to uh, get everything we can out of you for the next hour, Mary, here on Aging Matters. We're going to go to the subject of veterans' benefits, and this is a, a, a very murky subject as there's a lot of misinformation out there, and to help shine the light on the, the confusing world that that is, is David Cole. He's president and founder of the Senior Veterans Council. Hey, David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You bet. Nice to be here. You know, my grandfather is a veteran, and we struggled to find the right resources on these benefits. And when he was moving into an independent living facility with my grandmother, we just didn't realize what was out there. And not everyone knows that this uh, benefit exists. So let's start with the basics. What is the aid and attendance pension benefit? You know, it's a benefit that the VA itself uh, says is the least known most underutilized benefit that the VA uh, has. Most people, when they think of veterans benefit, think of the wounded warriors uh, coming back with uh, conditions uh, that they suffered while in combat or or being hurt as what is called service connected. That's what more than 90% of the claims that the VA handles are what is called service connected. This particular benefit called pension is confusing because The name itself causes people to say, well, I didn't retire from the Army or whatever, so why would I think I would get that benefit? Uh, But it actually goes back to the founding of the country. I have on my wall a certificate to my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, who was the widow uh, of a War of 1812 that got $4 a month. So it's not a brand-new deal. Mm -hmm. So who qualifies for this benefit? Well, you don't have to have been in combat or been shot at. Uh, The veteran just needs to have served on active duty, not the reserves, not the guard. That can cause some confusion. But active duty sometime during a recognized wartime period. And that typically would be World War II, although we're seeing less and less of that. Uh, But the widows are still there. World War II that ran from you know Pearl Harbor to the end of 1946. So we have a little extension of that period. You know, most people think the war ended when they dropped the big bomb in 45, but it extended to the end of 46 for the occupation period. Korea, which started up the middle of, of uh, 1950, June through January 31st of 55. And then Vietnam, uh, which ran from and it's, it's really a confusing thing with Vietnam. It ran from 64 to 75 unless the veteran actually had boots on the ground uh, in Vietnam prior to 64 when we had an advisory role there as a country. Um, 
And then the Gulf War does now come in, and it actually started in 1990. And if you served anywhere in the world, and that covers a lot of veterans, after 1990, uh, up to the present day, uh, that that's one requirement. So the service requirement. And then the re next requirement is that you have reached a time in your life for whatever reason, doesn't have to be service related, but you've reached a time where you now need help. Either you or your widow uh, need help and uh, you need a protective environment. So the VA has this benefit that's been around a long time um, that will pay up to $2,200 for a married veteran or uh, $1,200 a month for a widow, 19 for a single veteran to help pay for your care. You were there when we needed you years ago during those forgotten wars. Now, you know, you need help, and so that benefit's there for you. But I'm just going to observe to your question, nobody knows about this stuff. It, it's been, you know, you can't have a government benefit, you mm -hmm. know, God bless them, that's been around that long that's not layered in a lot of bureaucracy. So mm -hmm. we are not the VA. Mm -hmm. We don't work for the VA. We're not paid by the VA, but we are privately accredited. We're licensed by VA General Counsel out of Washington, D.C. Uh, to do this work as professional advocates. People engage us in much the same way that you might go to a H&R Block or a CPA to do your taxes if you don't want to deal directly. So, mm -hmm. And we're also certified, I don't want to run on here, but we're also certified Medicaid planners. And as you know, in transitions, Medicaid hospice sort of benefits are, are tremendous. Mm -hmm. We get a lot. Of, in fact, we get referrals from the transitions folks. Uh, uh, you know, so it dovetails to that. Mm -hmm. So it's important to understand how that fits in with uh, Medicaid, Medicare, and, and uh, hospice. Absolutely. I want to be super clear because I've heard you mention it a couple times in making sure the audience understands it's not just the veteran, but it's also their spouse or widow that received this benefit, correct? Right. So if there's a widow who took care of the veteran during his life, they don't have to have been, have been married while they were uh, in the service, but they got married at some point. She took care of him until he died and she did not remarry. Then the widow has a widow's benefit. That's correct. Wonderful. And what can you use the money towards? Well, it's a pension benefit. It's a cash payment to the veteran or widow paid directly to them, just like Social Security, and they can use it pretty much for anything. Uh, but typically it's there and people use it to pay for home health care or mm -hmm. facility coverage or, or other things they need. Wonderful. And how do you get this process started and what kind of documents are needed in the application process? Well, when you reach that point, maybe before, but, but if you see that freight train coming, you know, <laughs> hey, we're not getting any younger here, uh, you, you would want to uh, call the VA. And I'm going to give you now, you, your listeners might get a pencil out, I'm going to give you what's called the uh, National uh, VA uh, Pension Center Hotline. Uh, it's a dedicated line for this particular benefit. You know, the VA's got a lot of things going on, but this one's dedicated to the pension benefit. It's 877-294-6300. Uh, That's 877-294-6380. And they are uh, generally a wealth of information, although it is like calling the IRS. <laughs> but you'd call them, go to the VA website, 
va.gov slash pension. If you get confused, again, we serve as professional advocates. You could call our office, uh, which is uh, 919-825-1300. There's an intake form on our website, uh, which is Senior Veterans, with an S on the end, SeniorVeterans.com. Call the office and schedule a time to talk to a benefit advisor. Uh, because I will be on, you know, not to throw the VA under the bus, but they're not necessarily as clear as they can be on what's possible. Many times the answer is no, 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 because they don't have the, they, they don't want to walk, you know, like calling the IRS, you know, no, you can't deduct that, but a mm-hmm. CPA might be able to tell you how. So, yeah, that's, you get started, you get the information. There's a video on our website that's uh, 30 minutes long, but covers a lot of information and generally will make you the most popular person in town because uh, everyone's got people that are aging out. So yeah, that's how you gather the general information and then uh, the VA or us or other VA accredited agents are out there. Wonderful. I have one last question for you. How long will it t- take to start receiving money once you've put in the application and, and that process is started? Loaded question and it does, it, it's a very complex process. I will tell you that our methodology from the time a person calls us and says, yeah, let's get this going, probably four or five months till the claim is actually awarded, but it can be retroactive back several to the claim date that's established when you start the process. Other times we get phone calls from people that have been battling this for two years mm-hmm. uh, because it's back and forth. It's, it's, a, it's a big bureaucracy, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It really is. And uh, it's the, these are difficult waters to navigate. And that's why it's so important if you do pursue something like this to make sure that you've got someone with the accreditations that David mentioned. And uh, again, David Cole, he's the president and founder of the Senior Veterans Council. You can find them online at SeniorVeterans.com or you can also call 919-825-1300. Oh, I should. Yes, go ahead. I should interject. Senior Veterans Council, and Council is C O U N C I L, Senior Veterans with an S, Council.com. Sorry, I got that uh, URL wrong. Again, Senior Veterans with an S, Council.com. David, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking some time and sharing some very helpful information. Great. Enjoy the week. You you, as well. Taking a quick break, we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Mary, we're going to be shifting focus a little bit here and we're going to be talking about something very interesting. I don't know that we've broached this topic before on Aging Matters, but we're going to have a discussion on pets and how that deals with caregiving. And to have that conversation, we're happy to welcome Jenny Griggs. She's the Director of Senior Center's Resources for Seniors. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Nice to meet both of you. 
Definitely. You know, I am a crazy dog lady. I'm going on vacation <laughs> with my dogs. So it won't I don't know I how much <laughs> I don't know how much of a vacation it will be, but I'm taking my two dogs with me. Um, and I'll admit being a crazy dog lady, you know, they keep me active and are great listeners. They don't talk back. And um, I think there's a lot of great benefits of seniors owning pets too. And I'm excited to talk with you today about this subject. But to get us started, can you talk to us a little bit about your pet experience and where you started in this journey? Yes, um, I actually have had pets for as long as I can remember, and I was widowed about nine years ago, and at the time of um, my husband's death, I looked at the two dogs that were with me, and I said, don't y'all go anywhere? Don't you think about going anywhere? you got to stay with me through this, and they became my two best friends. I'm presently 68 years old, so at the time, I was like in my late 50s when that occurred, and I was blessed to have my pets until this year. So a lot of things this year occurred. Obviously, COVID, um, which is a year we all know of isolation for seniors. And after Mm -hmm. my pet's death, I realized, oh, my gosh. You know, I knew how important pets were to um, the aging population because I started as a geriatric care manager. But it was never as personal until Mm -hmm. that very moment for me. Mm-hmm. So for a couple of months, I decided I wouldn't get any pets, and then I decided that I couldn't deal with that one, and I started the journey trying to find one, and it was almost impossible. I had I know all of the adoption agencies are great and the shelters are great, but I will tell you that myself, as well as some of the people surrounding me here at the senior center, and I've heard their stories, had bad experiences with have with trying to adopt a pet. The reality is pet adoption has increased by 70% during COVID. Wow. Which is pretty, pretty phenomenal. So that tells you that there is a lack of animals mm-hmm. um, to find. And as a result of that, I think that the selectivity of um, agencies or not-for-profits became not very user-friendly, maybe for the aging population. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, for several months, I really got few responses, if at all. And the responses I got were only allowing me to um, to adopt animals that were older, which is not a problem, and mm-hmm. in some cases it's a good thing. But I experienced that often animals that are like 8 to 13 years old are very expensive to maintain, more so mm-hmm. than others, because they're also in their end life. And so anyway, so my journey began. I did find a black lab to replace not that you replace a pet, but I went to an animal shelter and there was a, a black lab and I fell in love with it. And so they told me the shelter that this animal was at least two plus years old. Of course, I got it. And when I took it to the vet, it was discovered he was maybe eight months old. Oh. So that's where this journey kind of began. Um, I, I won't admit to any doctor, but I will tell you this. So, so none of my doctors, I hope, are listening. <laughs> I fell I fell three times walking this animal. Oh, wow. And, and I teach fitness classes every day. Wow, wow. That's how crazy this dog was. And it occurred to me that there's a lot of science that needs to go behind pet adoption for the aging population, a lot that needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in fact, the next person that's going to be speaking is one of my saviors because I sent this dog to them, and they helped me learn to walk with this animal. Um, wow. So that's kind of my, my story. So there, there are a lot of things um, that, that fall into context with it. Not only has adoption increased, but 
there are actually interesting facts. There are now 25% fewer dogs relinquished by their owners today during COVID. 28% fewer strays are being picked up. 52 less dogs are being euthanized in shelters. The ad national adoption rate up went 70% for cats as well as the increase for dogs. And vet bills have risen 84%. Wow. In the last several years. That's, that is a huge increase. Can you talk, you've touched on this a little bit. Can we go back and talk about some of the reasons that seniors should adopt a pet? You know, I, my dogs definitely bring down my stress and anxiety and, and you mentioned COVID and I think that that's a big thing and, and addressing loneliness and having a companion around, but what are some of the other reasons that seniors should adopt a pet? Yeah. Well, uh, science, tells us, and it's well documented, that dog walking and um, having a pet has been associated with lower body mass index, fewer activities of daily living limitations, fewer doctor visits, and more frequent and moderate and vigorous exercise um, was deemed by the people that had pets. Not to mention companionship. And we know even people with dementia and Alzheimer's and um, that are totally lonely and isolated, the nonverbal communication and profound acceptance has been very soothing. And, and the pet therapy alone has given them uh, an answer to isolation because there's been so much of it. And I don't think we're ever going to have things the way they used to be. Um, I think it's also interesting that as a result of this, there are now 617 pet-friendly assisted living facilities in the state of North Carolina, and that number is growing. That tells us something. Definitely. I think that's pretty significant. So I know that we're going to talk so, about in the next section about falls and, and, and thinking through, is it really a risk? Can you talk to us briefly about um, some of the fall risk of having a pet? Yes. Um, there are lots of fall risks. Uh, first of all, pets get underfoot. A lot of times we chase a pet. A lot of times we fall while walking a pet, i.e. Jenny Griggs. Um, a lot of times we uh, misplace or fall over pet paraphernalia. The CDC tells us that many of the falls occur while walking a dog. That's when most of them occur. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons we've honed in on this experience about learning how to really walk a dog. Um, and secondly, dogs large enough, uh, they, can, they can push or pull a person. The other thing is that Women are 2.1 times more likely to fall um, with dogs at home, and also um, there are reported in 2016 21,000 hospital visits as a result of falls from a pet. So I think that that's pretty significant, that in itself, with fall prevention being such a big area of study and research for us. I really would like to see us uh, be able to have more research dollars to hone in on this because pets are becoming more and more important and fall risks are definitely a relevant issue. Absolutely. So it sounds like that will be a great topic when we go into our next section. Can you talk to us just briefly before we go um, about where to start the search for your pet? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, Shelters, well, you couldn't go to shelters, right? You can't really go to shelters and just see a dog right now. You have to make appointments. You can do online adoption situations, which are um, probably what most people are doing. 
But there are a couple of specific not-for-profits that have been found that specialize in seniors and for seniors. One is Pets for Seniors, and they actually do have a facility or a location in North Carolina, and they offer substantial discounts for older and, and have older pets. They provide starter supplies. They take care of your pet fees, um, and they will take your pet in, which is a big issue you know, when you get to the age or if you should have a situation where you have to give up your pet. So that way you know and have a, a good sense of well-being that something that you love and want very deeply to take care of is going to be well taken care of. So that would be my suggestion to have a backup plan. And places like that certainly are. Yeah, um, and, and as you said, Jenny, that uh, it's it's uh, very hard to uh, adopt a pet right now as there's a lot of demand and you know, that affects the supply as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Jenny Griggs. She is the director of Senior Center's Resources for Seniors, and we're going to have another guest on the line with us as well. When we return, stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Don't forget, you can always find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas, and we're continuing our conversation on uh, centering around pets and seniors. And we've got a different guest here on the line, and that is Jay Brittingham. And he is uh, with Canine Solutions Central North Carolina. Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. This is my favorite topic because I have two dogs with very big personalities. <laughs> I have a um, intellectual, small, lazy dog who is, um, you know, very intellectual. He deep, deep stares into your soul every day. <laughs> and then I have a very active spaniel mix right. with a busy nose who chases anything and everything, um, even though she's getting much older. Um, are pet personalities a good place to start when evaluating what kind of pet to get? Yeah, Absolutely. If, if you're a senior, you really don't want a really active dog because you're not going to be able to wear them out mm-hmm. mentally or physically, mm-hmm. um, which will create a problem for you because then they're going to be pestering all around you, which creates more of a fall problem. Mm-hmm. So what? personality is definitely a big thing. A senior is getting the dog. Absolutely. What are some of the lower maintenance options when you're thinking about different breeds or um, different animals? What what would you consider more low maintenance versus high maintenance? Uh, do you mean breeds of dog? Yeah. If we can talk about breeds, or, is there something you should avoid at all costs if you're a senior? Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Lagoon> Shepherd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> German Shepherd, 
you know, big dogs, a lot of exercise, um, stubborn dogs, you know, they're kind of uh, great Pyrenees who are thinkers. Mm. You know, they're bred to think. They don't need people to tell them what to do because their job is to guard the flock. So, you know, you personally, myself, I think a senior senior is great with a smaller dog. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't need a golden retriever, 90-pound golden retriever or 90-pound German Shepherd or even bigger dogs where there is going to be a problem falling. Mm -hmm. So smaller dogs, Chihuahua, so you ask me now, I can't think of a name. Like little t- my intellectual <laughs> um, dog is a little that. terrier, and he's like 13 pounds. It's in, He's very soulful. I feel like he would be a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the smaller they can be lap dogs, they can sit next to you on the sofa and stuff like that if you want them to. Absolutely. So you know, a big dog is kind of pushy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they tell you, I'm going to sit on the sofa. They tell you what you what they want, not what you want. Yes, yes. And I, then that's where I come in. Then I tell them, no, you do it. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say, I don't want an older dog because it may have been trained poorly. Can you really not teach an old dog new tricks? Absolutely. You can t- retrain a dog any age. That's, any age. That's great. Because, you know, when, when so, you go to shelters and, and things, there's a lot of older dogs there, and they could be a really good fit. And, you know, I just want to debunk that myth of just because you're, you're adopting a dog or buying a dog that's a little bit older, it doesn't mean that it can't be trained um, how you would like that dog to be no. and act around you. Because I, I do board and train, oh, okay. and I get dogs all 9 or 10 years old. Wow. And everything in between. Wow. So we, it's just um, taking their old habits and teaching them new habits. Absolutely. So we chatted briefly about falls earlier. What are some key things you can do now to be proactive and avoid risk with a dog? Teach a dog that he has a spot to settle. So... If you're going to get up and move around, you can just tell your dog to go settle. He'll go over on his bed and lay on his bed so you can move around freely, whether you're on a walker, a cane, or or what. So they have to stay out of your way. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a place to stay out of the, your way, they're going to be all, around all the time walking around you trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a place to settle is, is, is a real and Teaching them when you walk on a leash, they have to stay by your front of you. Um, and all these things all play in together. Um, at home, they have to wait for you to, to be released to go out the door, to release to come out of the crate or whatever you keep them in. Um, just keep them out of your way mm-hmm. while you're walking or, or moving around the apartment, cooking. Kitchen's especially important. Um, teach them to keep the dogs out of the kitchen while they're cooking. They can go in the kitchen when they're not cooking. It's when they're cooking we want the kitchen because you could turn with a hot pot of water and trip over the Now you're burnt, the dog's burnt, and you fall. Mm. How important guess, is it yeah, to have a routine with a pet? At very, dogs are routine-oriented um, and situational. Like, he might do something in my house that he won't do in your house. Uh and but a routine, my dogs get us up 
five thirty, six o'clock every morning. Woo! Because that's what they've done for years. Uh, um, and that's just at five thirty, six. Everybody goes out, comes in, gets fed, and then they can rest for a little while more, and then go out again. And uh, then we really start after the second time. Uh, <laughs> but routine is definitely, definitely important. You can get the dog to the point where where you stand up, the dog will move over to the side. Mm-hmm. It's just consistency and repetition that you do this. And and a senior, I advise to get if they're going to get a dog, which is a great thing for them because it lowers their blood pressure. They live longer. It gives them a purpose longer because they have something to do. Take the dog out, feed the dog, and then do all that stuff for the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so dogs are great for seniors, and routine is so, so, so important, just like it is for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we follow a routine almost every day. Get up, go to work, come home, cook dinner, Absolutely. bed, get up. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I have felt that my dogs keep me in that routine, which is nice, and it keeps me active. Um, <laughs> do you think that low mobility is a disqualifier for owning a pet? A lot of seniors may not be as quick on their feet as they used to be or could be walking with a cane now. Would that prevent them from owning a dog? No, absolutely not. You just get a, sl- a slower dog or, you know, not a young dog, get a little older dog, seven years old or so, that's starting to slow down in his life also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't believe so. What are the training options that you suggest for training a dog that needs to learn new tricks and new habits? What are a couple of the training options that you suggest? Well, well there's always classes. You could always take class where you look at the dog as as you're going along um other options are private consults where we come to the house and work with the individual at their house and then the third one is is like i said board and train they come live with me for three weeks oh wow them whole owner on on what we did with the dog and how for them to get the dog to do what we got the dog to do um, and then they continue with that. Um, training the dogs, not all of a sudden it's trained and you just stop doing it. They'll revert back to the old way. So training is forever. You know, you get it. And if the dog lives 14 years, it's, you know, 14 years, you continue with the training and the training might just be sit, you know, before dinner, but you have to keep doing something forever with, with the dog. Yeah, that's that's great perspective, Jay. And uh, I would send my dog to go see you, but the uh, five thirty wake up call for him, uh, uh, you'd have to, uh, I don't know, use a forklift <laughs> to get him up at five thirty in the morning. He is Jay Brittingham with K Nine Solutions, Central North Carolina. Jay, is there a way for folks to get a hold of you if they want to find out more information about you and what you do? Uh, yeah, the phone number is nine four one two five seven eight eight. And the ad, uh, email address is a little different because I moved back from Western North Carolina. 9Solution, Western, WNC, dot com. Um, so cause now I'm back in Raleigh. Gotcha. Uh, and that, that phone number so again, if you, you, if you missed it, 919 412 
888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-888-
there is also opportunities um, in certain situations where families are able to enter a facility. Um, those are It's called a compassionate care visit. Um, those are very specific guidelines that a resident must meet to be able to have a compassionate care visit. We had several residents who have qualified for those visits. Um, but the majority of our visits are done um, outdoors currently. Um, we're hoping soon to be able to get some updated information from CMS and CDC um, now that the vaccinations have rolled out and we're looking at the majority of skilled nursing facilities being vaccinated, what those new visitation policies are going to look like. So we're hoping soon to be able to hear some information about that. I think you busted a big myth right there in, in talking about some of your visitation policies because I think so many mm-hmm. people in the community are hearing that you can't see your loved one if they're at the hospital or at a facility and that just sounds like that that's not true there are ways to do it and you're doing it safely in in every day absolutely and it goes above and beyond those outdoor visits as well so many facilities have um, different forms of communication where they still have the ability to communicate with their loved ones um, and kind of you know have that bridge of communication between the facility and the residents um there's some facilities that offer ambassador programs. What an ambassador program is basically a department head or a manager who has been assigned to that resident specifically. They typically call the families on a weekly basis, um, give them updates, kind of be that bridge to the family. Um, they can set schedule those outdoor visits. Um, they can do FaceTime. A lot of facilities have Skype capabilities. They have tablets available that are readily available for residents to use um, via FaceTime, Skype. Um, So, you know, there still are multiple other ways for families to be able to communicate with their loved ones. Um, And those are just some of the examples, you know, across multiple skilled nursing facilities Mm -hmm. that they're doing um, beyond just those outdoor visits as well. I can imagine that during this pandemic, it's been really difficult with the restrictions that have been in place um, from the state and from CMS uh, at facilities that it's been really difficult to tour if if someone is thinking yes. about going to a facility for long-term care yes. um, or short-term rehab. Is it reasonable mm-hmm. for families to ask for a virtual tour or what kind of tour situation are you guys right. doing right now? Right. Absolutely. So th- there's multiple ways for families to be able to to be educated in picking a skilled nursing facility during the pandemic. The biggest advice that I have to anyone that I ever talk um, to is research. Research, research, research is the most important thing that you can do. And there's multiple ways that you can do that. Um, you touch point on um, virtual tours. Most facilities do have websites that are readily available that provide photographs. Um, some provide virtual tours. You'll see video testimonials. Most also typically have a direct link that will get you right um, to the admissions or marketing team at that facility, or you can speak with them via email or phone. Um, Secondly, utilize the Internet. Um, CMS has a great website for families to research. Um, If they go to Medicare Nursing Home Compare, and I can actually give everyone that website address, it's medicare.gov backslash care dash compare. Um, You can look at any skilled nursing facility in the United States of America. You can basically just put in the information that you're looking for. If you're looking for a specific geographic region, you can view that information about that skilled nursing facility build your data so when you do have those conversations with that skilled nursing facility, you have talking points that you can speak with them about. 
Of course, word of mouth is a huge resource that we have, um, you know, reaching out to your church, um, your church pastor. A lot of churches have parish nurses that have a lot of expertise in skilled nursing facilities, your friends, your family, you know, relationships that you um, that you can build off from them to be able to give you good information of experiences they've had in the past. Um, of course, if you're in the hospital, you do have resources. They are readily available to help you as well. Um, you're going to have a hospital nurse um, case manager or a social worker that can start you off um, with the basics to being able to choose a skilled nursing facility. Um, if you're at home, if you have a home care agency that you're working with or a hospice agency, of course, they're going to have social workers that can assist you also in that starting process. Um, another great resource is your primary care office. Many primary care offices do have nurse navigators that can help you and kind of get the ball rolling. Um, in the research for long-term care or skilled nursing facilities as well. And of course, in Wake County, we are very blessed by having multiple caregiver support agencies. Um, that is a free resource for um, families to be able to call upon as well. So once someone has narrowed down their choices by doing all their mm-hmm. research and they really like a facility that they've chosen, and now I hear the word bed availability. You know, you hear about mm-hmm. it if you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to confirm a bed and how often do they turn over? Is it something you can wait for if you really love a facility? I would definitely suggest um, right now during the pandemic, if you find a facility that you're very interested in, I would definitely suggest to move forward as quickly as possible. With the changes with CMS and CDC, um, we kind of had to shift it a lot away the policies of how we go about admitting patients to the facility. Um, for example, typically when a patient is being admitted to a facility, whether they're coming from the community or they're coming from the hospital, they do go into a 14-day enhanced precautions um, unit, basically meaning they'll be in a private room for those 14 days. So whereas before typically you would see skilled nursing facilities with the majority of semi-private rooms, um, you're now looking at more private rooms. So we've had to reduce the capacity within skilled nursing facilities to be able to create those isolation units. Um, so if you find a bed, I would definitely suggest to go ahead and try to move forward as quickly as possible because they are limited right now with that reduced capacity. Those are some great tips. She is Wendy Marsden, Marketing Director with Capital Nursing and Rehab, which is part of Liberty Healthcare. If you want to find more about them online, be sure to head over to libertyhealthcareandrehab.com. Libertyhealthcareandrehab.com. Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mary and Jason. I I do appreciate being able to be part of your show today and hopefully being able to provide some education to your families at this time. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, always anything that can help out our WPTF audience and those who listen to Aging Matters is something that we appreciate as well. We're out of time for today, but we will be back with you next week, next Saturday at 4. Be sure to join us then for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.